good people of the world, this is episode 5 of the Olympic Outsider Podcast. Yes indeed, it is the final Olympics Outsider of this, the XX Winter Olympics from Turin, Italy. This is Dave Thorvald and I'm joined with Dan Funboy and our buddy Lance. How's it going guys? Hey, uh, pretty well. Happy Olympic Hangover Day, Dave. Oh, man, I'm feeling it. Last night was the first night I really got any kind of decent sleep in weeks. <laughs> yeah, I was exhausted from all the late nights slash early mornings. But, uh, geez, I got to say there was all sorts. It, the Olympics totally, overall, it just totally delivered. There was always something unexpected. There's some fantastic performances where you wouldn't expect it. And some <clears throat> bitter, some bitter wounding losses, uh when you didn't expect it. So all in all, I went away from uh, my experience really excited. Yeah, this was an excellent TV Olympics. There was such beautiful scenery throughout northern Italy, in the, in the cities, and in the, and in the mountains. And it was great to have the option of watching both the NBC and CBC feeds throughout. Yeah, I tell you, there was a lot of hype leading up to the Olympics that it was too spread out, which I thought was funny because in Utah it was spread all over the uh, several counties and that it wasn't going to have that Olympic Village feel. But from the pictures I saw from friends that were there, on, from their Flickr photos as well as the TV coverage, there was just a fantastic mix of different mountain environments and cities and the great old cobblestone towns. The nightlife looked great. The whole white night experience. Holy smokes, why were we not there? <laughs> yeah, this was the first... Olympics fully broadcast in HD TV, and they didn't just have the main cam camera angles. Every camera angle was available in HD. That really made for some remarkable viewing. Well, I think that's a great uh, precursor for what we're going to see in, in 2010. I think uh, what I've talked about on previous uh, podcasts is a desire for access to all sorts of raw, unfiltered feeds of everything going on everywhere, because some of my favorite things, seeing the Olympics, is like when we were watching the the long cross-country skiing race, there's a lot of athletes from non-traditional non Winter Olympic countries that you get to see out there and see the, the Nepalese guy or the Costa Rican, who's, uh, and some of those guys are great stories, and I'd love to be able to see all of that. Yeah, I think that will be part of the natural progression of it, but the, the networks and the people that spend all, these money, all this money to get the rights to the, to the games and have huge advertising dollars invested in them, they, they want it to fit their format and make sure that they're fully in control still. For sure. They're slotting things in when they want them and how they want them and capturing the eyeballs and, and the whole thing to it. And there was a great mix of uh, bluebird days and snowy days and cancellations and Mother Nature had the last laugh and, and all sorts of things. But, you know, starting off with the events up at the sliding track, that course, uh, I don't know if it was the course that was brutal or the uh, participants just pushing themselves so hard. But there's some spectacular crashes, some great scenery, and they were running those races in all sorts of conditions. It was really a spectacle to see. Yeah, every analyst said that this was a very technical and very fast track, which is going to cause some crashes, but it's also going to going to cause for some great competition, where really the best the best sliders are going to win the medals. And and indeed, the the Germans were dominant as they usually are. And uh, the Canadians, uh, the two men with uh, Luders and LaSalle's Brown, he uh, they turned turned in a good enough performance to win. And, and just on their third run on the four man, they just didn't get the start they needed and ended up fourth. One of 14 fourth place finishes for Canada. 
So if they were giving out aluminum medals, <laughs> would have got your share. <laughs> we would, yeah, we'd be golden. But that bodes well. We'll talk more about this as we go along. But that really bodes well for 2010, especially in some of the the disciplines. Yeah, you know, when we're hosting the Olympics in our home country, the the third and fourth, second, third, and fourth place finishes become gold medal performances, and then some of the fourth, fifth, and sixth place finishes are able to bounce up to the bronze medal position, get on the podium. Yeah, things like, you know, not only the fan support, but that not having to go through the travel and being familiar with the course. A lot of these guys who are running in turn think of how much, if they're coming fourth in turn, how are they going to be uh, when they're skiing Whistler, which is a mountain they've skied since they put on skis. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. That's the number one home field advantage is that they're familiar with the tracks. Nobody has as many runs on down the bobsled course. Nobody has as many loops around the speed skating ovals. Nobody has as many runs down the, the Alpine Mountains or as much practice on the cr cross-country circuits. Now, uh, uh, the luge, exciting stuff. The sausage, the mighty sausage, didn't, uh, didn't get a medal this time. And then what will be? I got to imagine it's his last Olympics. Who's the mighty sausage? <laughs> yeah. George Hackle. Oh, Georg Hackle, yeah. yeah. He was quite the, quite the champion. But the favorite, Armin Ziegler of Italy, took the men's luge title. And I don't, I, we were speaking earlier that I was kind of surprised, I don't know why, that there were so many athletes that we got familiar with in 2002 that were back there for another kick at the can. Not that they had gotten old, but it was just, uh, I don't know, it hadn't really occurred to me, the continuity of uh, some of these athletes and how they st string long careers together spanning several Olympics. Now we'll come up even talk about some of the medalists as the events go on. Yeah, a lot of these guys, there's a professional circuit that as long as they're in the top ten, they make a good living. As long as having the the support from their national sports associations, they're able to string out a very good career. Now, uh, un that's unlike the Canadian skeletons who got the gold and silver with two of my favorite names of the games with superhero Duff Gibson. Duff Gibson here. And uh, 38, 39-year-old who was for a brief moment the oldest Canadian to win a medal before Brad Gushu and uh, the curly Ron Howard. Does name Ron Howard? I'm yeah. That one. Okay. Russ Howard. Russ Howard. Ron <laughs> Howard's the movie guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, the skeleton was a one of those fourth place finishes for the Canadians, and that was That's a right. very, very, very close, close one. Yeah, Swiss broke that up there. It's Switzerland who had a very good Olympics in their own right here. Um, the uh, bobsled though, fourth place in the format, that would have been a great one to get a medal and push a little bit up. But Luders said he he still plans to be coming back. The guy looks in great shape. You know, the sliding sports, I think, um, I, I watched them a whole different way after seeing the, 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 some of the events live in Salt Lake City, because I did, on TV, you just can't really comprehend the, the immense speed that these things are traveling with, and when you're there in person, your eye can barely, I mean, my eyes can barely process what the hell was going on, it was just a streak of color coming around a corner, sometimes a spectacular crash, and when you see four runs of a four-man bobsleds in first through fifth place is separated by less than a second, you know you're dealing with a serious, serious, precise art there. Yeah, these athletes pretty much just have to use the force and go off the knowledge they've acquired from scouting the, the track and, and learning from their coaches and just go for it. And, yeah, and they don't really get a good look as they're going down, I imagine. Right, right. And it's like, well, so what if it's no? We're not looking at the course anyway. <laughs> you're just holding on. Um... So, uh, 
How about the Canadian women? You know, I have. Oh, that's right. We got a bronze. But you know, I have. You know, oh, I I don't know. Alex Goff. She came twenty second. I don't know. What do you got? What do you got? Well, all the Canadian women sliders <laughs> did well, Dave. <laughs> for for oh, those geez. like Dave who didn't watch the Olympics, you. Oh. <laughs> No, we we got um, fourth places and, and medals and and all the <laughs> and all the sliding competitions. <laughs> well, well, why don't you go ahead and uh, pick the next topic there? Let's there well, we'll just check off sliding sports there. Uh, let's just men's and women's. Let's yeah. just cross off that next. I don't like your topics, Dave. <laughs> let's right. go down to curling next. <laughs> They're partying in Newfoundland, and not only did they close the school so everyone could watch the gold medal match. They all, the next day there was a massive snowstorm in Newfoundland that shut down the entire uh, the entire <laughs> province. So oh. they're going into some extended party. So they had a white night of their own. Wow. They did. Yep. Nice. So they were just in heaven. You know the the story of the four guys enjoying with the, with the yeah isn't that that uh, that movie guy no uh, Russ Howard it was like that Men in Brooms movie it was classic story time when you hear interviews with the guys they're just four. Dudes who work regular jobs, and it's just uh, and curling really kind of was a sweetheart sport of this Olympics, and really established itself as like, yeah, we're an Olympic sport that's here to stay. Yeah, the Canadian men's team are pretty loose. And that's kind of their personality. Yeah, and it ended up doing well for them in the end, where the Canadian women are a lot more serious, you can tell, and competitive. And they had a great tournament themselves. They ran into a really good Swedish rink in the semifinals. That was skipped by Miriam Ott, yeah. and we saw her um, as a teammate in the nineteen or the Salt Lake two thousand and two Winter Olympics. Indeed, and they, she came up with a silver in that, and she came back, wanted to compete in another Olympics. The, re the rest of the team fell apart, so she pretty much picked her own team and competed and made it back to the Olympics, and had a great run, but just wasn't enough for the Swedish team. That picked him apart in the extra end in the gold medal game. Ike, Ike, and uh, Rona Martin, who we saw for uh, Scotland in that uh, dramatic uh, match in Salt Lake. They uh, neither Great Britain teams managed to medal this time around. Yeah, I thought the Canadian women really did a good job to come back and get that bronze, though. That was in their best yeah. game of the tournament. Yeah, they had been battling illness throughout the tournament, and uh, so way to go, way to go for the Canadian curling women. And, uh, you know, every time I see the Canadian uh, curling women, I always think of Sandra Schmurler. So here's to Sandra Schmurler. Ah. All right, curling. Men's women's party on in Newfoundland. Newfies rule. First Newfoundlanders to win uh, medals. Yeah, can you believe it, eh? That's excellent. I'm making a pilgrimage. I'm putting that on my vacation list. Newfoundland and Labrador and New Brunswick, because that's where Russ Howard's from. Excellent, Dave. Yep, that's what kind of material I brought to the table today. Where are we off to next? Short track <laughs> oval? Sure, let's go short track. Eric Bedard, yeah. Anouk, uh, Anouk something or other. Yeah. With the bronze. For for Canada being a, one of the superpowers in this sport, we, re we really don't know the athletes that well. A lot of them are from Quebec, and they don't mm -hmm. really get as much attention out west, I, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's... Kind of a niche sport, I guess you could say. People really love short track, or they don't care about it at all. Yeah, it's a hard one to, to call. Uh, we don't see much short track culture around here at all. But you know, once the facilities are built and we see those, the, you know, see 
a culture develop around here, around uh, the Olympics. Maybe you'll start to see it become more something that people go watch. Yeah, down in Washington, short track's one of the more popular popular events. And it's just because of Apollo Antonono, the athlete from the Seattle area. Yeah, all it takes is one athlete in a facility to really uh, make a sport popular in there and get the kids inspired. I know uh, it's a fun one that the, 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 the youthful folks seem to really enjoy because it, it seems like there's a lot of chaos out there. The people are a little confused on the rules. And it's a little bit goofy because there's referees out there in, in blazers and ties and skates. And then they're having like an announcer like, hey, all right, great, you're going really fast in three different languages. So it sort of has that, that uh, pod racer scene from Phantom Menace kind of feel to it a little yeah. bit, you know? One thing Short Track could work on is speeding up their judgments in the end, whether somebody's going to yeah. be disqualified. Because there were some races that it was a five, ten minute wait before you'd actually know who won the medals. And every race somebody was disqualified. <laughs> every race, yeah. And they ha there's some great names in this sport with the Chinese, because there's, there's a lot of them ya named Yang Yang, or there's two Yang Yang, so Yang 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 and Yang Yang. That's good stuff. Yeah, the Koreans definitely dominated with China and Canada also doing well. Yeah, the Koreans put all their marbles into that sport, and it, they're, uh, they're they crazy excited about it, that okay. sport. And sure enough, it paid off. On. And uh, I, I saw a little featurette on Ono going to Korea, and they had to have massive armed police escort all around him. He's like a hated <laughs> man there. <laughs> like... You know, he can't even get anyone to recognize Yeah, they him showed that, that story on the NBC quite a few times about the tensions between Korea and the USA, and that was a big part of it. It spilled over into the World Cup of Soccer and a few other international events. Holy smokes. Mayhem. Now on to the much more uh, peaceful uh, long track course. And then long track, that's a sport that the more I watch it, the more I enjoy it. I really like the long track. Yeah, it's nice to watch the technique, see the racers really going against the clock and not having that chance of getting wiped out. There's still the chance. We saw a few spectacular crashes in the long track, but pretty much you race against yourself. you got the other guy there to kind of pace, but you're worried about your time, the leader's time, and the time you think it's going to take to, to win a medal. And there's a lot of disciplines and di like a lot of distances, um, and they really attract a different breed of a skater, and it's interesting to see... Um, how hard it is to cross over from one distance to another to another to be to have your body so finely tuned to excel at a certain distance. Yeah, the story of the first few days in the in the long track was the American men. They took the first three individual events. Yeah. Um, Chad Hedrick, uh, Joey Cheek, Shawnee Davis. Oh, then then Joey Cheek won again, didn't he? Yeah, I think he got a silver next time. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. Then there's the tensions between the team because Shawnee Davis didn't want to, to skate in the team pursuit the day before his big event, the 1,000 meter. And Chad Hedrick, who had already skated his, his main event, said some bad things, and there's the battle. And that was the, the story of the first week, I thought. And then the second week, we know what the story was. <laughs> <laughs> I blocked that out. Uh, the second week of the story was Cindy Clausen <laughs> winning five medals. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. I'm with you now. I was jumping ahead to another topic. <laughs> yeah, Cindy Clausen, who uh, uh, Jacques Rogue called the woman of the games, and she was proud to be... Uh, yeah, the leading medal getter of the games, and now Canada's all-time Olympic medal getter. 
Yep, seven medals. Really an incredible performance. And what I mentioned earlier about how hard it is to skate different length, he made it look uh, look easy. Yeah, the 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 sprint is that the one that she didn't medal in? Yep. Other than that, medals all around. And the new event, the team pursuit. What do you think of that, Dave? Oh, I absolutely loved it. That was one of the the, the most enjoyable moments of this Olympics for me because I'm fans of all those German speed skaters as well as the Canadian girls. And seeing the new event and new, knowing that this was going to be the first one decided, it was always one that will be on the books. And being really familiar with all those athletes and knowing what they've had in their career, knowing that uh, Claudia Peckstein, you know, she's going for her eighth medal, the saucy Annie Friesinger, uh, you know, Danielle Anschutz Toms, who said that this is going to be her last Olympics, uh, and then the Canadian girls who've just been dominant and they're all so good natured and uh, mm-hmm. hardworking. I mean, they really typify. I don't want to get all mushy here, but they really typify the Olympic ideal, you know, and seeing features on them where they're, like, working, supporting themselves and training really hard. It was kind of cool to yeah. see. Yeah, men's, women's both take silver. And for the men, they didn't have as much individual success as they're accustomed to, but to win that, that silver in the team, I think, alleviated a lot of those pains. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, again, once they have facilities here in this area, to see if that develops more as a popular sport that uh, youthful athletes want to go participate in. Yeah, well, in in the USA, the charge is coming from the former inline skaters. The warm weather athletes are are becoming speed skaters. Interesting. So maybe that'll happen in Canada. the The people from the from the West Coast, the Vancouverites, will will start onto the long track. Yeah, all the people who've been uh, skating around Stanley Park, see well. Olympics coming up. Mm-hmm. All right. What next? Your choice. Well, next on the list, Dave had marked down the Alpine, which was every event was pretty much a great event. Yeah, some great uh, uh, TV viewing, too, with the run, the nighttime runs and the mountain views and the ma- mountain vistas were just spectacular. The courses were totally Olympic quality. They were pretty savage, mm-hmm. you know, not for any kind of lightweight, for sure. Made for some great viewing, some great stories all over the place, from spectacular crashes to unexpected performances to some old veterans just doing it, just like, ah, this is no big thing. I'll just come in, drop in, win a gold, win a silver. Yeah, whenever the adverse conditions did come in those big races, it was the veterans who came through, usually. Yeah, seeing, uh, I mean, especially, uh, especially Shell Andre Ahmad and Herman Meyer coming in, uh, on that race, and you know, I was watching the race, and I was like, "Wow, it was Eric Guy sitting in Eric Guy was Eric. in third, or was in second. Yep. And then those two guys, I was like, "Oh man, having those veterans, they just don't lose." Mine either crashes spectacularly or wins where it looks like he's not even trying. And he did one of those things where he came down, made a great run, and Amot, who's just like, the guy must have titanium knees or something to be skiing at the level he does. They cruise down the course and make it look easy, but that was really cool for Eric Gay. If he's going to be knocked to fourth, to be knocked out by you know him as a twenty young twenty something by those uh, wily old veterans. Yeah, there were some amazing first runs, especially by the Canadian by the Canadian team, the men's and women's. The the young racers, a lot of them were in medal contention after the first run of the technical events, and leading into the, the final skiers of the speed events. They just didn't really have the killer instinct. They weren't really able to finish and get onto the podium. But they're all young, and they're, 
their goal was really 2010 Whistler, although they did want to compete well, they and they didn't want to not get a medal. Right, right. Yeah, and I think you're going to see a lot of different faces in the skiing world because I think you're going to see some major changes in the U.S. lineup as well as uh, um, some of those old European veterans. But the Austrians, man, the Austrians never go into rebuilding phase. Holy smokes, the, the Austrians had a sensational Olympics there in the skiing events. Yeah, they were a little disappointed in the last Olympics, although they took a ton of Alpine medals. They didn't really have the domination that they enjoy on the World Cup circuit, but this this Olympics... Uh, Seems they took half the Alpine medals. Yeah, there was uh, the, they had that sweep, and then um, yeah, they they were really dominant. There was a few other wild cards that came through here and there, but the Austrians were always in the mix with some young skiers too, not just the old veterans. So, but looking ahead to 2010, both the uh, Canadian men's and uh, women's, I think, are in good position to to, to really think seriously that. We can go in and win some medals. Thomas Grandy was maybe a little bit of a disappointment, him being the veteran and finishing no better than ninth. But, you know, me, I, I couldn't make my ass down the hill, so I should probably zip it. Yeah. Some great athletic achievements in the in the mountains of the Alpine and also the Nordic competitions. Oh, yeah, the Nordics. Uh, this is one that after, again, going to Salt Lake, I had never really appreciated so much until going and seeing the events and seeing the whole presentation as well as the incredible aerobic exercise going on uh, all around you and you, it really sweeps you up in the event so I've definitely followed that more and actually uh, as, uh, as I told you I missed the day, a, a couple days of the viewing with uh, to go up to the mountains and try some cross-country skiing too and it was really cool after seeing that to go up and get in my own little Olympic uh, groove high up in the mountains doing some uh, cross-country skiing. I will admit that my, neither my technique or my outfit was quite as sharp as the ones you see on the television, but uh, the cross-country skiing and the biathlon both have been really enjoyable to watch for me. Yeah, my favorite Nordic event is the Nordic Combined, and most everything that involved a ski jump in this Olympics was again dominated by the Austrians, and they haven't really been the dominant country in the sport the last four years, but they had great, great successes in the in the combined and in the ski jumping. Their team won the relay, they won a, a bronze in the in the short combined, and then they won the gold in the long combined. Wow, fantastic performance. And Finland, who are just ski jump nuts, kind of came away disappointed again. Yeah, hardly any medals. And uh, I, I, this is going to be a, with the ski jumping. I think we're both disappointed they're not putting the ski jump up at Grouse, but I suppose there would be logistical problems of getting people up there. Yeah, Maybe half the part of the ski jump is the spectacular views, and to see the view of them launching into the Vancouver skyscape would just be incredible. Just be incredible photo opportunities. But uh, Team Canada, they're uh, obviously in a rebuilding phase of that. They've never been a, a strong ski jumping country that I know of. Have we ever been? No. No. But, um, we didn't have a team in the last Olympics. There's a Stefan Reed uh, and a couple other young jumpers. None of them qualified to the final rounds, but apparently this, the, the training facility in Calgary, um, the big jump is no longer serviceable. It's like needs to be like shut down, like it's verboten now. Like don't use it. They only have the small jump and then like the kids jump. They have like a kids kind of training jump, mm. but there's no big hill training anymore. Um, so 
Vancouver, again, is going to become kind of the, well, Whistler in this case, can be kind of the pivot place for training Canadian athletes. And it seems like you know, there's a lot of Canadian uh, daredevils and people who have tried something new. Um, so maybe that's a sport that Canada can look to to build on and get some medals in the next few years. Why not? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I doubt we'll be getting medals by the next Olympics in that event, but okay. in 20 years, might might challenge for medals. Yep, that's the, long, the long-term legacy of these games upcoming. Yeah, the other Nordic events, the cross-country skiing, the story was, where are the Norwegians? Usually dominant on almost every podium, their skis just weren't working. Yeah, there's going to be some fired ski techs. So much of that sport is determined uh, by the waxing jobs. But i got to give uh, one uh, one uh, prose to the, well, no, what do they say in Norway? One cheers to the Norwegian for giving uh, Sarah Renner a ski pole. And uh, although the Norwegians finished fourth, I mean, Canada got a medal. And we wouldn't have been able to do it with that, the Norwegians and their good sportsmanship. It would have been so aluminum otherwise. It would have been alum- another aluminum medal for us. <laughs> yeah, that was another another good event. The What did they call it? The team sprint? Yeah, something like that, yeah. It was two skiers each do three laps of a 2K course, I think. And Canada came away with the silver, Becky Scott and Sarah Renner. Yep, in good, clean fashion. And... Becky Scott would like to congratulate her for being elected by the fellow athletes to be a member, athlete's representative to the IOC. Very cool, very cool. and shows the, the esteem that she's uh, held in by fellow athletes, especially in cross-country skiing, which was uh, got rather scandalous by all uh, these police raids and hemoglobin levels and such. And yeah, that's the other big, big Canadian story is the women's sprints. Uh, somebody oh, that was right. off the radar. Off the radar, yeah. Chandra, Chandra... Yeah, but that that sprint race was pretty, pretty spectacular. All throughout the day, Chandra Crawford, every heat, she attacked. She went to the front and just went for it. And it worked all up into the gold medal. The gold medal heat looked just like any of the other heats. She just got out front and just went for it. Becky, uh, Becky Scott couldn't even keep up, so I know she was going fast. Becky Scott finished her fourth in that race. But I'm sure she was proud of her young teammate. For sure. A great uh, sportswoman and, and another aluminum medal winner. Yeah, the Italians had a great, great um, cross-country Olympics. They won the two premier events in the in the cross-country uh, schedule, and that's the 4x10K men's relay. Oh, that was an exciting race, too. And then on the final day, uh, hometown, or not hometown from Torino, but Italian, Giorgio Decenta won the gold medal in the 50K. And for the first time in Winter Olympics history, the medal was presented as part of the closing ceremonies. And it was presented to him by uh, his sister, who has won like seven medals. Yeah, his sister's won seven men- medals and is a member of the International Olympic Committee. She also presented the team with their gold medals from that, that relay. On the women's cross-country, any other notes? Ah, uh, well, the Estonians and the Russians, they get to fill in the gaps there and get some other things. Oh, the, the, the Austrians, that whole police raid, uh, I got, I got, I got a little bit of, I got a little bit of issue with the way the Italians conducted this, right? Because you got to, uh, give a little bit of benefit of that. Now there was this Austrian, former Austrian, uh, ski coach or something like that. Some Svengali like manager, doping guy who had been barred from the Olympic village 
or barred from being part of the official team, but he was in the area and he had heard of being in the area. So the Italians come in at like 12 o'clock, guns drawn, rousing athletes out of their beds and scouring the rooms, taking them out and not getting them back um, till like 4 in the morning when they have a race the next day. And I think that was just, that was just, uh, you know, I, I don't want to... The athletes should know better than to hang around with the with such a suspicious character who was banned. The athletes that were seen hanging and consulting with him probably deserve to be woken up at midnight. The other athletes, no. It's an issue of sportsmanship. I mean, really, I mean, should a gold medal winner, you know, play by rules like that? Of course not. Of course not. So we got to make them really cross their fingers. They got to promise <laughs> when they do that athlete's oath at the beginning, they have to double... Double dog dare you promise. I super promise. Uh, yeah. I gotta say that the anti-doping measures, that as strict as they've been, they were effective. I only heard of one one person getting their medal taken away from doping this, this year. Russian cross-country skier. I, yeah, I think it was a, a Russian biathlete, perhaps, or yeah. a cross-country skier. Yeah. And... Her team, yeah, it was a biathlete, and her team went on to win the women's biathlon relay. Okay. Without her. Yeah, without her. Wow. Yeah. Neither, neither. She had won the silver, and the person that won the bronze, I think it was a German, was bumped up to second. Then another Russian who was in fourth moved up to third. And then so the two, two of those Russians with two lesser-rated Russians dominated the women's biathlon relay. I think they only missed two shots in the whole competition. Unbelievable. In eight shooting stations. I, I really like the way the biathlon works, whereas if you miss a target, you have to do the little penalty skiing lap. So my strategy is if I'm not a good shooter, just like don't even bother shooting. Just go do five laps. That's a lot of five laps. I, I don't even know what what it take to go practice biathlon around here. What is, how does one train for a biathlon? Oh, that would probably be an easy event to train for, like the fundamentals to learn how you do it. Just get your skis and your gun and go out in the wilderness and stop every 20 minutes and shoot and stuff. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the origins of the sport, it used to be like called like Border Patrol or like a Frontier Patrol. And uh, so I think what they ought to do is not only do you have to ski and shoot, but you also have to write citations. Because it's like an old military exercise, military police exercise. So you have to be like, hey, over here. Get the paperwork yeah, aspect get of it. Get the paperwork in there. I'd ask what I'd be doing. Yeah, the Norwegian legend was once again at these Olympics, Ole Arnar Bjørndal. Yep. He didn't come away with any golds, but he he medaled in, in both the individual events. Or is there three individual events? I think he might have come away with three medals. And he almost got his Norwegian team a medal. Came from the ninth position, I believe, when he took over and finished fifth or fourth. Yeah, and the, the one he picked up is silver, and he was playing cat and mouse with another skier, but when it came down to the sprint, he just didn't have the, the legs that the younger player did. He tried to beat him with Savvy, but couldn't quite do it. So, But uh, good Olympics for him, and it's cool to see those cagey old sportsman veterans like that that, uh, that really make the Olympics exciting and great, unlike some of the other athletes who show up and kind of make a jerk out of themselves. But uh, that leads me to snowboarding, where Canada almost could have gotten encountered with another medal. But uh, the uh, the young uh, the young uh, internet entrepreneur um, has moved to uh, Australia, 
where he got a the Australians were like, hey, you come down and you snowboard for us. We'll hook you up with a coach. We'll pay your expenses. He's like, dude, I don't want any of that stuff. I just want to be on the team. I just want you to be like, okay, you're on the team. Because in, you know, what I, uh, Canada is very egalitarian about how they select their team. It's like, okay, whoever's putting the most years of service times World Cup performances multiplied by community service times, you know, <laughs> whatever. And so uh, it would take a long time to work your ranks up through the, you know, to get your spot on the team rather than some countries like the Austrians. Like whoever's fastest is on the team. Dude. We don't care what you are, who you are, you're fast, you're on the team. And uh, so this kid went to Australia and talking about, about, uh, I'm actually talking about freestyle, not the snowboarding now, but um, he skipped to, uh, went to Australia, waited two years to get his passport, and now uh, skis for Australia and won a, won a gold medal, uh, even though he's a guy who spends most of the year in Vancouver, trains at Whistler. That was kind of an interesting situation. Yeah. Our, the first gold medal for Canada was in freestyle moguls. That's about all I really take from the the freestyle events, they really weren't as spectacular for me this time. I wasn't too impressed with the judging in the aerials or really in the moguls. Yeah. Yeah, Jennifer Heil started Canada off with the bang with the uh, that early gold medal, which was kind of set a, a good tone for us. But yeah, before I've been I've been more impressed. It's uh, you know seemed to lack a little bit of character this time around. The snowboarding with the new border cross event. And bring in a, a new element to it. Uh, the jury's still out. I'm still sort of deciding on that one. It seems a little arbitrary with the physical contact. contact. Uh, so it seems a little bit confusing on, on what exactly is allowed to me. Is it just me not understanding the rules or is the game, is the sport still a little bit raw? Yeah, the border cross is, uh, is one of those viewer friendly sports. I think a lot of people get the get the concept of it. It's something you turn on, you see four people in the, in the start house, they go down the the course, the last two go on. It's pretty pretty easy to grasp. Or the two that don't crash go on, basically, is how it works in a, in a lot of the heat. Yeah. And uh, the, the half-pipe snowboarding, though, I thought that was outstanding. Yeah, it's too bad that's near the front of the Olympics. That would be a good one to put near the rear end. Yeah, I'm with you. It's really one of the most spectacular ones. Again, the Americans dominated that event. Mm -hmm. A lot of the same uh, women uh, snowboarders we saw in Salt Lake again. And it yeah. was... Kelly Clark had a spectacular run. She yeah. would have been a sure gold medal run. Wiped on her last trick. Yeah. It finished was, fourth. It, her, her run really was outstanding. The, 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 yeah, the amplitude was, was incredible. Yeah, it was really something to behold. Yeah, Sean White's run for the men was also pretty incredible. He was getting huge air. He he's a tremendous uh, he's a tremendous athlete, dude. I, I after seeing that, I was like, I did a little bit of research. I see some clips of him skateboarding, does some retarded stuff on skateboards too. Yeah, so, right on for him. Um, I I I totally missed the giant slalom snowboarding, which is usually one of my favorites, especially since I'm talking to Ross the other day. Yeah, this was a brother sweep in the men's gold and silver to the Shock Brothers of Switzerland. That's the that's the story going out of the the parallel giant slalom. Must have been a great thrill for the brothers to line up together in the first gold medal heat, knowing one of them's going home with gold, one with silver. Wow! It was the younger one that won the gold, by the way, Dave. <laughs> Just thought I'd mention that. 
Ah, the old brother Lennon. Well, he was the number one ranked, and, and his brother was the one that had to work real harder to get up, get up to that level. All right, on. Well, with brothers in mind, let's take a pause because I need a fresh beer, and let's come back and talk about hockey, specifically the uh, the Sedins, and coming back to Vancouver with some gold medals for Sweden. Talk a little bit about um, some of the other stuff about the Olympics, the some of the f facilities, and whatever else we've uh, haven't covered. But mostly about some hockey, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll call it good for now. Before we go, let's get the figure skating highlights from Lance. <laughs> Lance, Lance, figure skating. We'll be back in five minutes. All right, then. Just uh, push the red button when you're done, there, dear. <laughs> I know you watched them all with your wife. Oh man, I, yeah, I talked to her about some of those. Okay. Yeah. What kind of like makes some guy want to go out and? The male <laughs> if it isn't but to get like the chicks I don't know that's the only thing I can come up with which is I guess you know what theirs is about but. there was definitely some outrageous costumes <laughs> yeah. there, there was one there's the one thing where the Chinese girl got thrown up in the air and she just that crushed against the guys get crippled she oh. just completely they stopped right the music they're pulling out the string and then she gets up and busts that out that was that was good there's yeah the doubles figure skating is the most impressive with those huge yeah, tosses silver yeah. out of that they got to yeah. out of it. Yeah, that was, that was yeah the two Chinese couples both showed great perseverance. The bronze medal team having the the fella come back from the Achilles surgery. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're both uh, like childs of uh, dirt farmers and separated and lived on cabbage until they were like eighteen and or whatever too. And like when they had to wear the same pair of skates. Hey, Canada got a medal in in the men's. Tell us more about that, Daniel. I didn't see the competition, but <laughs> they get they credit the medal on the medal count. It is the truth. This was part one of episode five of the Olympic Outsider Podcast, recorded February twenty eighth in Olympia, Washington, with Dave Thorvald, Dan Funboy, and Buddy Lance.